Welcome to Chronic Curiosity, where real people have real discussions, unscripted and raw, about anything to everything. If you enjoy the show, we ask that you follow, subscribe to the channels, all those things. Also, if you would like to support the show monetarily, you can do so by going to the website chronic-curiosity.com. At the bottom of the page, you can donate in dollars or Bitcoin, or you can go to the shop and purchase some curious merchandise that just happens to be fantastically comfortable. Also, if you'd like to connect with the show, please feel free to shoot us an email, comment on whatever platform you're using, or you can join the forum that is also at chronic-curiosity.com. Interact, ask questions. Let's have some fun. And here we go. Bong you break. I was like, ooh, that's a party foul. <laughs> every single day, every word you say, every game you play, every night you stay, I'll be watching you. That's all I was going to do because I'm not going to sing the chorus because i realized when i started I, as i was like I oh yeah i was waiting i'm gonna try it. to play the song and i'm gonna try to and i was like as i learned how to play it i was like i didn't know if I you got to the kick chorus. you in the nuts before you yeah. <laughs> i got the chorus i was like oh and that's why sting was a bad motherfucker yeah <laughs> um but um but yeah that song it came to me well i think we're gonna we'll, we'll back up a little bit do something a little different and because typically when it's just us we just talk shit for you know whatever now we're just gonna talk focus shit yeah kind of that's kind of the, the idea we're gonna spin it together with um it was austin and dustin when they were here they're yeah. like you should just do like these champ. clips of yeah chill champ it's like look at these fucks champ, so champ and dave yeah champ and dave. <laughs> we don't talk about dave um yeah so we're gonna do a uh I, f- I figure from now on we can make it a little more focused because we usually end up talking about like news stuff and different things and ev- and ridiculous thrown in there. A little more focused of look at these facts. So facts. Facts. Look so at these is, facts. Is it fucks? Is it facts? I don't know. It's like JFB. A little bit of both. What is, what is it? Is it just a friendly brewery? Yeah. Just a family brewery or something else? Right. So that's kind of the idea. Um, but that song hit me and I'll tell you why. It really struck me, um, but the first um, look at these facts we have. Did you? Is it up there? Facts. Um, so <laughs> this one, I don't know. Did I, I think I sent this to you guys? Yeah. yeah so the NP, so NPR, you know, news organization and whatever. So they put this thing out, and for anybody, this this would probably be a decent show for people to watch, or 
you know, or just try to follow along as best you can. I'll try to be whatever at the best I can. But they had on Instagram where it was a, um, and they put this picture up and it's this person singing every breath you take. And with the, like a karaoke screen, in the background with the words on it. And then the picture, there's another guy wearing a mask or they're both wearing masks. They're not, it's a drawing picture. And it said, dot, dot, dot could be infecting me. And I remember seeing it. Could be yeah. infecting me. <laughs> yeah. I remember the first time I was like, I scroll. I think this is maybe the first one, right? After we had that podcast where I was like, I saw it and I was like, look at these fucks. <laughs> so this, this one made the, this one made the list. But facts, so they say how to sing karaoke in a pandemic. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like that's every karaoke bar in LA. <laughs> so the, the, the caption makes it even worse because they said, make sure everyone's vaccinated and check community spread. Check the karaoke bar for cleanliness and ventilation and how often they clean their mics. Keep your mask on, clear your skin, and then you scroll down. If you scroll down inside the box, there's a couple more good ones in there. Um, but it says, clear your schedule for two weeks in case you get sick. The last one, singing outside or at home is safer. What about the shower? Is that still safe? <laughs> is that still safe? Is it the immunity? But I was like, I couldn't believe that. Like, what the fuck is going on? Like, this is actually like a, was a reputable i don't know i mean it's national public radio and it right? it's forty thousand likes yeah which isn't that much for that big of a organization really but still like what the fuck are these fucks up to that song i was like and then so what, what got me was so that like i've been i've had that on my like saved on my phone for a while and i was like this is absolutely fucking ridiculous but then as I'm like just getting stuff ready and putting the, um, the links up, I'm like singing the song in my head, you know? And I'm like, wait a minute, like, I remember those lyrics. Like, that song's kind of fucked up. And have you ever like really like... Nope. No? So the, the very first verse is, which obviously I just sang, um, says, every breath you take, every move you make, every bond you break, every step you take. I'll be watching you every single day, every word you say, every game you play, every night you stay, I'll be watching you. That sounds like three restraining orders filed already. <laughs> yeah. And then the chorus, which I didn't sing because he gets up there. Oh, can't you see you belong to me? That's very like it, it puts the lotion. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like, and then it's funny because I literally just the other, the other day I had a little bit of time and I was finding, I was trying to find something like, like a short movie to watch or something like a documentary or something like that. And then I just realized they had uh, Amazon has 1984 on there and I'm like, and it's from, it's funny enough from 1985 was when it was made, but that book was written in like what, like the fifties or something like that. I, think so. I was like, that's kind of funny. They made the movie the year after like the book's a lot better. The movie's pretty, it's actually not as weird. It's, it's actually much more graphic than I would have expected a movie to be having it being made in 1985, but it was, it felt very 1984 ish to me. Like yeah. big brothers watching you like, and it just made, it kind of made me laugh. Cause I, I know we, we, so today I have a handful of things that we want to go through, but, and I don't going forward in the future want it to be covid centric 
because there's been enough of that. But I realize we've talked about COVID a lot on here, but never really like it's always kind of been in passing and like a thing here or there. So yeah. I wanna, like, there's a couple things that I want to like bring up. So just kind of like little tidbits for people to kind of look out at. And it, it just made me laugh as I'm thinking about, you know, news networks and everything going on. And then they're making a post about how to sing in a pandemic. And they choose that song out of all the songs. They choose that one. If you're going to pick another song, what do you think you'd choose? Ooh, I didn't, I didn't thought that far. Um, you didn't thought that far? I haven't thought that far. I think I said, did I put not, did I not put I have? It's 108.5 proof. It's okay. No, I just poured it. I know, I'm just joking. Um, mm, I'm not very good at thinking about songs like that off the fly. I know you referenced quite a few of them. I was going to say, unless we're like mid sentence yeah well that's comes to right that's why i wanted to start this this episode out with that because you're a song lover <laughs> and, and tying the words in um i got a serious question though yeah did you, did you wash the mics today <laughs> i wipe them off yeah i scrub them off and Sweet. bleach them and hit them with sunlight and i don't know <laughs> D- dust them with ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine <laughs> we can get into that <laughs> I, I don't care yeah. i'll get as deep in the weeds as you want to go uh, yeah so that was this I think this is right around the same time everything was kind of like what the fuck are these fucks up to this is kind of that's that's a good one to start off on because it's like this is, these are like serious quote unquote serious journalists doing this allegedly <laughs> allegedly we'll get it we have even more serious journalism to get into um, but speaking of so we're, we're gonna do a little bit of COVID we're gonna get off COVID and then. I have some interesting COVID things because we've passed around some information recently and numbers yeah. that were interesting. We'll get back. But the next one is another COVID one that was a while ago, which got very, very little like n- news cycle. I thought for what, what, what it was, there's a couple, there's a couple people that talked about it. I know, um, Josh Rogan who wrote, um, Oh, I can't remember his book that he wrote now, but he was, he looked into like, basically the originations of COVID and, you know, the Wuhan lab thing and all these different things and um, breaking points with crystal ball and Sagar and Jetty have talked about this one, but nobody else has mentioned this one that I've seen. So WSU, which is um, Washington state university is to lead a $125 million USAID project to detect emerging viruses. And I know I sent you this, like, I don't know if, I don't know if you saw some, but I know. I don't like, think I have, I don't think I saw this You haven't this seen one. this no. one? No, that, that's like, I was waiting to scroll down to see what that's all about. Oh yeah. No, this is really. I feel like I have an idea what it's about. Yeah. Because maybe I so, heard about it. Um, is, is this the one where they're letting them make other similar viruses? No. So okay. they're not, the, the idea for this one isn't to necessarily, that's called gain of function research, Tony. I try not to say <laughs> unless, that word. <laughs> unless, unless you're Fauci, then did you see Sorry, sidetracked. Did you see the NIH finally? Was I was basically like, "Yeah, Fauci lied under oath." Yeah, they they need a and, scapegoat. So yeah, and he's still showing up on TV. Like, how long can this guy like? How dare you question science? <laughs> questioning, questioning, Doctor Anthony Fauci Fauci's is questioning science. science <laughs> <laughs> what an arrogant prick! <laughs> um, but yeah, so scroll down a little bit more. It's uh, where was it? It's yeah. So the goal. So they're being funded 
by the USAID, which is the United States. Uh, scroll up a little bit more. The abbreviations in there somewhere. Yeah, Agency for International Development. And then you scroll back down. It shows. So the process they're hoping to collect over eight hundred thousand samples in five years, and they're expected to yield eight thousand to twelve thousand novel viruses. So, what that means is eight thousand to twelve thousand viruses that we still aren't aware, essentially, that exist right now. It's kind of what novel means, new, you know, like for the basics of it. So why we just had this whole thing now that we've essentially, even like CNN, is, <laughs> we'll get to them later too, but even these, all these places that used to say like the lab leak theory was fake news and conspiratorial and racist or whatever. Now they're even, everyone's like, yeah, kind of seems like this thing came from a lab in Wuhan. Seems to be the case. So you know what we should do? Is we should spend about another $125 million, which I think was even more than the Wuhan lab got from us, to find more novel viruses. Because then, you know, what are we going to do with them after that? Obviously something. So, so nothing, let, nothing good. Nothing good. So why don't we do more research and put more money into finding more viruses that we can mess around with? Yeah. So are they spending it as we want more information about these viruses so that if anything else like this happened, we could basically get a head start on it. And right. Which, okay, it. that sounds pretty good, right? But when it comes out of a lab and it seems... I'm not a scientist, <laughs> but everything I've seen and everything that keeps coming out seems like it was genetically manipulated in the first place. So we're just spending more money to do the exact same thing we we just did, essentially. Let's go find some more viruses that we can experiment on and do research on. And then possibly we, it's in order to figure out how they work. That means we have to mess with them, right? Is there subfunding in there for like a bat breeding program too? <laughs> right? Like, I just. I like that they're going to draw on their own strengths in veterinary medicine. Is that like horsey wormer? Oh, yeah, we'll, get, we'll get to that is too. That what, yeah, is we'll, that what they mean by that? I feel like that's what they mean by that. Yeah, but like, how does, how does this make. I, I get like the. <laughs> Probably more like zo zoonotic, jumping from animal to human when they say that but i don't know what that means Tony. i do like the no that's what i was saying it's <laughs> yeah. those diseases that jump from like the animals to the humans that's probably why they're looking at the veterinary stuff but right. you never know could be right, but could be the old horse to, <laughs> but to say all right we have we've had COVID 19 so what needs to happen is we need to go out and find these novel viruses so we can plan just in case it happens well when you're when you do that now you're introducing us as humans to these viruses that we have not been introduced to before and you're putting them in a lab and in order to do these experiments you have to figure out how they work and you know gain a function is essentially all right how could we make this virus be more transmissible to humans so we can figure out how to combat it well that's kind of it seems like that's if i had a hypothesis throw out there 
I'm a, I, I'll go. I'll go ahead and say like I don't think necessarily it was like a. I won't go as far to be a conspiratorialist. You're, saying, not, you're not on the poster back there. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not quite on the, <laughs> the Great Awakening poster, but I, I'll, I'm willing to, and I think more than likely, what was happening at the Wuhan lab was, all right, we're testing and experimenting on these, you know, viruses to stop a pandemic or to figure out how these things happen so yeah. we can prevent things in the future. And then something happened where it, it got out. And it accidentally, yeah, it accidentally got out. So like, it's either that or they did it on purpose, which either way, like maybe we should try to prevent, how do we prevent these things from happening? Well, here's one. How about we stop experimenting on viruses, particularly ones that we're not familiar with, you know, like novel viruses even better you know let's go dig up eight twelve thousand more and then mess with them that's probably the best idea <laughs> i saw this i was like kind of see your point there yeah, first like, i'm like ah, i mean i can kind of see what they're doing but i mean if the end result is right back where we're at right now because that's what they're doing or worse initially. or worse yeah yeah you know because like you look at because i've said kind of, I've, I've joked and and i i will preface everything else that we're going to say because i going forward because I want to look at some different numbers and things, um, and actual like statistical facts and fucks <laughs> throughout the day. Facts. Um, but you know, I always have kind of joked that oh well, this isn't Ebola. Like, if this is Ebola, then all right, maybe I'll take that vaccine. Maybe, maybe I'll. I'm okay with experimenting with some shit because, or like, if you're watching the movie Outbreak, yeah, like. Oh, this is like, cause that's kind of like, it's a, it's kind of like Ebola. Yeah. And you get it, you start puking. Hem- hemorrhagic yeah, disease. Yeah. You start bleeding out all your orifices and, you know, a few days, a week later, you're dead. Okay. That's concerning. What if we, what if, what if, what if all these, it was gain of function research. It came out of the Wuhan lab. It was an accidental slip. Get it. But what if it was an accidental slip of, a Ebola virus that had that had gotten this gain of function research done to it. That's why Ebola wasn't as deadly as it's deadly, but it wasn't as transmissible as it was because it was a natural fucking virus. Yeah. But when you're messing with things and trying to and playing with things and playing God with this kind of stuff, like what if it would have been more deadly virus? We look at the cases of how many people have. Attract, attracted, not attracted, contracted COVID versus how many have died. Like if it was a, even if it was a 10% death rate, that's, a, that's a lot of fucking people. Yeah. And the, well, I think Ebola is like 30% or, I don't know. I don't it's, know. Numbers it's, on it. it's hot. Not good. It's not good. Yeah. So no. like what happens when one of these eight to 12,000 new viruses that we mess around with, we find and it's no good. Mm-hmm. No. I'm not going to go there. But yeah, I was like, what? This seems like a really, really bad idea. So then let me ask you this. What do you think they should do with that $125 million if you're going to direct it towards something that was research-based or going to be beneficial towards collecting more information on these novel? Like, how would you use it? I mean, let's figure out the shit we got going on that's messed up with first. Like, when you look at 
and there's some numbers that I want to get into too. So crop duster of ivermectin. (laughs) (laughs) But like all the things that we have, we have enough problems with the human species that if we actually put money into fixing the problems, not like California does with their homeless situation, just propping up everything that's going on, like, and propping up these government agencies and everything else. Like, let's actually, if we want to put money like where our mouth is, like, let's actually try to fix some of these things, not research new ones to. Did you watch or listen to that San Francisco, um, Rogan podcast, the author who wrote that San Francisco? I don't know. Was that Bart? Wasn't that Bartlow? I don't know, but it was good. And he had a lot of good, good just talking about, um, homelessness and, um, it was good. I can't remember what his yeah, name was. Yeah, he was the environmentalist guy, right? Is that the uh, guy you're talking I don't know, about? He's the author of San Francisco. That was the book uh, that he wrote. I don't think I listened to that. One. I did listen to that one. It was really it good. It was good. He I, had I a lot say, of insightful. I thought that was uh, ideas. No, Bartlow. Bartlow Elmore was the the seed money in Monsanto thing. That was a really good one too. Um, oh, who was it? Michael Schellenberger. Yeah. Yeah, that was a, that was actually a really good one. You'd like that, Tony. Um, yeah, the Rogan Rogan with Michael Schellenberger was a really good. He talks about. Oh, I, I did. I listened to the beginning of that. I didn't okay. Yeah, it, it was, was like pretty good. Thirty minutes or something. Yeah, he uh, he does a really good job of discussing like just the situation that's going on in a lot of places, but how they're not actually putting money and effort into fixing things. They're just putting money and effort into getting more money out of, and they don't really care about you know the people that they're affecting. Well, dude, and, didn't uh. Was it, didn't Colin Noir tell Rogan about that initially? Yeah. I would Rogan imagine that's like probably how they got shocked. connected. Okay. Yeah, I thought I remembered he, he said that on that yeah. podcast. Um, Rogan brought that up on the podcast. He actually told him about um, that Colin Noir told him that. And I think the, the author that was the guest, I think he was, he didn't necessarily say that money wasn't being used properly, but he said he wasn't surprised by that at all. Okay. And but he had given ideas that he had discovered from other countries and they just weren't going anywhere. Like nobody was right. doing anything about it. Well, surprise, surprise. That's American politics and everything else that we have going on. Well, it's the same. It goes along with the same threads of um, like the drug war and how they're not really trying to fix people. They just throw them in prison or this, that, whatever. Or, yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of things that we that were doing that looking at the wrong way, but yeah. So look at these facts. Number two, Let's let's find more novel viruses to mess up our lives. And like, well, <laughs> I don't know how anybody could look at this and be like, okay, this is the time to do this. This is a great idea. Yeah, but, bro, I, I actually bought myself a pet bat, and I just keep it perched on my shoulder, and I'm building up my immunity every day. That's not a bad idea. Yeah. It's not with <laughs> it's me. Don't not, worry. You're like looking for yeah. it. Is that a bat in your pants or no? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Different kind of bat. Yeah. So speaking of American politics, we move on to the next one. Um, this is one that we've discussed. I don't think we've discussed it on the show. So no. does the IRS really want to spy on your bank accounts? Um, so this is in, there's a lot of stuff in these new bills that are getting thrown around. I don't know if any of these new, like the infrastructure bill, the reconciliation bill, all these different, I don't know if any of it's going to pass through. Um, but the original proposition was for there to be a change in the laws for banks reporting to the IRS. And originally 
so you were talking about how his business, how you thought it was just businesses. And originally that is, that's yeah. actually in the law now where it's over a certain amount. If businesses have certain transactions um, throughout the year, then banks have to re- keep records and report that to the IRS. What's the amount currently for personal? Is it like 20,000 or something? I don't know. I don't know if there is one for personal. I got you. Cause I know deposits, obviously it's like what? 10,000. Yeah. Something like that. So, but I mean, transactions is probably maybe different. Right. So, so this one, it was $600 and it was like footed as, well, well, we need to crack down these billionaires, not getting, you know, not paying their fair share. And it was like, well, if we're talking about the rich and not paying their taxes, $600 in a bank account over an entire year, um, this doesn't seem like it makes a whole lot of sense. Yeah. So they go, okay, you're right. No, you're right. I agree. We'll make it 10,000. It's like, oh, so, so from everything I know, and as always on this show, please take everything that I say with a grain of salt and go do your own research because that's the whole idea. Just give you just enough to think. So everything from everything I've read, it is now it's in the proposal that if you have $10,000 in a bank account, um, of transactions within a year, the IRS would need to report, or the banks, any bank needs to report that. Is that a single transaction or like? Throughout the year. So total cumulatively, if cumulatively. you have $10,000 worth of transactions, yes. the bank would have to report that. Right. And so a lot of these, a lot of these reports are, they're saying, well, that doesn't involve direct deposit from your employer or government deposits. Okay. People, oh, oh, so it doesn't. So people like you read that and you, you would think, oh, well, it doesn't involve like my paychecks, you know, what I get paid. So it's like extra stuff. No, it's very specifically says direct deposits. So if you make more than, you know, whatever the amount is you make, but if you pay more than 10,000, if there's $10,000 that leaves your bank account in a year, that's withdrawals and transactions. Those aren't deposits. You mean like a, a year's worth of mortgage payments? Right, which is more than likely well over 10. Yeah. So if you own a house and you pay your house monthly, guess what? Your transactions would be reported to the IRS. So it's like, and even if it was businesses and it was like this change, like, okay, I get it. Like, but we keep seeing these things come out that's like, oh, we need to do, we need to do more to make sure the the wealthy the ultra wealthy pay their fair share all right i i agree with you there like you shouldn't be making a billion dollars a year and not paying any taxes i mean if i have to pay taxes you just gotta get more savvy fred (laughs) right no and i'm and i I, that's i don't begrudge the billionaires Mm. for that because if i was in that boat i'd be doing the same thing like all right i am worth like elon musk one of the richest people in the world right now. And he pays very minimal in taxes. You know why? Cause he doesn't actually make money because he spends more than he makes, but then he takes loans out and buys things and all these different things to be able to move his money around. And that's what the rich people do. I get it. I do the same thing, but it's the government that's made the rules. It's the IRS. that's put these things into place. So don't pretend like, and then, use something like that to go, oh, if you have more than $10,000 of transactions a year, 
we're going to need to be able to track every single transaction. I mean, we're already getting close to that as it is, but still, like, what the hell's going on? It's, it's those steps, those baby steps. Sounds like the preparation for the social credit score. Right. And that's where, that's where I start agreeing with some of these conspiracy theorists is, like, yeah, those might be little things that they slowly, there might be things that, like, you have to do. It's like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. Like, it's just making sure you're paying your taxes. It's just a mask. It's just this. It's just, it's just a, a safe vaccine or it's just a whatever it is. But when you see other countries, and we have some more to get into with this as well. When you see the path other countries have gone down, it's, well, yeah, this is that next step. This is that next step. And like we've talked about it, like, um, I think it was, there's been a lot of people have talked about where if I want to get you to do something you don't want to do, I'm not going to right off the bat go, go all the way, full tilt. I'm going to push you a little bit. And then as soon as you start resisting, okay, I'll let off a little bit. And then I'm going to push you a little bit more, and then I'll let off a little bit. It's that two steps forward, one step back. Except for things like this, it's- Quote songs again, bro. Yeah. <laughs> except for this, it's two steps backwards. And then, oh, okay, no, we didn't. Well, you're right. We $600. That's, that's silly. You're right. We'll bump it up back up to 10000 And it's like, and then it leaves- the new cycle and it still goes, you know, if it ends up still going through or whatever, but that's a lot of these things that come out and they're so ridiculous. And then everybody pushes back and then it's, Oh yeah, you know, you're right. We see your guys' concerns. We'll change it, but it's still just as shitty eventually down the road. So that was a, I know we had talked about that privately and it was like, I wanted to take some yeah. dig into that to see. So I have no idea how many of those bills are going to go through or, it's a giant shit show right now, but hopefully none of them, because there's some weird things in there too, that like people have like have been reporting on. And then like the fact checkers are saying like, Oh no, well, this is, this isn't entirely true. Well, this isn't a law yet. This is just in a bill. Like the idea of this is like the, the mileage. Have you seen, have you heard about that one oh. where one of the ways to make money is they would tax cart, like a like carbon fuel, emission drivers a certain amount for how many miles they drive so you it's encouraged you to reduce your footprint if you're taxed you know say a cent a mile well then if you drive you know twenty thousand miles a year you have to pay two hundred dollar tax on the miles you drove i mean do people really want to drive twenty thousand miles a year like they're probably doing it for their job like it's right. not like someone just says well i'm gonna go drive well no but that's yeah, so then it's like and they yeah. reduce the the reimbursement rate. It's like fifty six cents now. It gradually has gone down. down uh, it's like fifty five. It it dropped from, again. No, from last year to this year. Yeah, yeah, it dropped this year. I thought it was fifty six right now. I don't know, but either way, people look at that and on the face they, it's this. I guess the whole point I'm trying to make, and I'll make it even clearer as we go on through some of the stuff is, you have to like, I don't know everything by any means you know but if you can't look at an article or a title or a report or anything and your first thought shouldn't be to just take it at face value and believe it yeah. because there's so many different ways people can use language and like we've talked about how many times being precise with your language which i am terrible at i'm trying to get better but you know using the words for what they mean 
And that's what a lot of these people do really well. But they just use, they, they make sure not to use the words that they don't want to use. Like, well, we need, we need a, uh, a mileage tax to reduce our, our footprint, you know, to save nature, to reduce carbon emissions and to, you know, so how are you going to get the other countries that have way larger of a footprint and don't do shit to get on board with that? That's not what we're talking about, Tony. We need to do our part as humans of this beautiful planet to reduce our, and, and if this helps, we can go to electric cars. And if yeah, you, I have a if better you have, idea. All the people proposing that die. So you're not wasting the air. That I breathe. <laughs> but so people, but you look at the idea face value and go. Yeah, you know, I agree. We probably it, it's. I don't think it's going to hurt us to reduce carbon emissions and, and be greener and, and reduce waste and pollution. I like all those things. Those are great ideas. But how are they going to track those miles? Why does it matter if we do all that we can? But places like India that has what like four times our population, and places like China that has you know five times our population that don't do any of those things, does it really affect what we do? Okay, we'll set that aside for now because that's a whole different conversation. But how are they going to track those miles? Oh, well, it's just it's just like an app on your phone or a thing you plug into your car like a lot of insurance companies now have. Well, you can, you can save money on your insurance, Tony. If you just have one of these, if you have an app on your phone or if you have one of these devices in your car, so that way we know how fast you're driving and how hard you're stopping and how how safe of a driver you are. So you can save money. Meanwhile, they're collecting all of your data and everything else. And they know exactly where you are. Every step you take, every move you make. Let me watch you watching. (laughs) The next one, this is more of a look at this fact. (laughs) I don't know how anybody could take Bill de Blasio seriously. He is the goofiest, one of, one of the goofiest fucks. Did you ever see the video of him eating the cheeseburger? No. He, it was like a whole COVID thing where like, if you get the, vi- if you get the vaccine, you get this free cheese. He's like on camera like, oh, this burger's so good because I got my vaccine. Like, bro. <laughs> so he proposed, um, so he can't technically do it because he's going to be out of office soon, but he proposed to phase out um, New York City's gifted school programs. Okay. So, and once again, it's the language they use. So essentially, he has to, his successor is the one that's going to have to enforce it or whatever they're going to do. But he, he proposed this and he's kind of putting it into motion to where they want to remove all of the gifted programs for students in New York City because <laughs> can you guess why? probably going to be racist because they're racist that's right now i i will agree because the the statistics and i which i get and i will agree that statistically if you are a white family in the united states versus a you know grown up in a uh, black neighborhood or my any not minority really you are at, you start out as a le- at a lesser advantage because of money, all these things. If you have more money, guess what? You're probably going to get your, be able to get into better schools, live in the better areas. I'm not contesting that because I totally agree on that point. But 
he's they're erasing this program where you take a test in kindergarten. I think it was in kindergarten where they start. And if you test high enough, you have the ability to go to these more advanced schools. Well, some of these and the, the reasons and the what they're using to back this up is well, because these a lot of these families have more money, these predominantly white and Asian families have more money, they are able to provide their kids with tutors. So these kids score better on these tests, they end up getting into these better schools and gifted programs. Okay, I get that. That that makes sense. I you know, how all things, you know, work out makes sense. But instead, and this is where I'll offer you my idea, instead of saying, all right, well, we know that historically minorities in these certain areas are at a, at a lesser advantage because they grew up in these red line districts. They grew up in these crappy neighborhoods that, you know, maybe a, our government system in a sense kind of put them there in a sense. Instead of saying, hey, let's help these people out. Let's give these people, I want to use a different word. We need to find a different word than assistance. Opportunities. Oper- yeah, maybe opportunities. Because when you see, like, say assistance, well, giving somebody just a, a, a government paycheck, that doesn't, that's not fucking assistance. No. That's just giving them money. Let's build, let's, let's look at these areas. Like, same could, I mean, same could be said for some West Virginia towns. And poor, you know, whatever, like these rural areas where they've been historically like mining areas or, um, you know, manufacturing areas, white, black, whatever it is, there's these areas that just don't have the opportunities to make money. And if you can't make money, you can't move because a lot of people are like, well, why don't you just move? Well, it's easy to say if you have enough money to pay bills. But if you can't, if you're scratching by just to feed your fucking family. How are you going to scrape up the money to move your family? Sure. You know what I mean? Especially to a better neighborhood. Like, <laughs> put everything in the wagon like the clamp, bro. <laughs> All right. So, like, but in, so instead of saying, hey, let's, let's find programs and actual good ways to help these people out, you know, let's build community centers and let's try to get, you know. Yeah, we'll just shut down this other program. Yeah. It we'll, still doesn't help. Right. Well, we'll just shut down the advanced programs and then we'll put everybody in the same school classes and schools together because they all get equal treatment that way. What kind of asinine shit are we doing here? Like, so now not only are we not helping the people that we are like that we say we're trying to help. Now we are disadvantaging the smart, like, cause there's some people that, sorry, you just weren't born like super high on the evolutionary ladder. I'm not, I'm, I'm not the top myself. Trust me. <laughs> you know I, so like, but I, you know, I can recognize that like there are people that are much, much, much smarter than me. And there are people that are not as smart as me, but like, I don't want those people that are much smarter than me being disadvantaged to be brought down to my level. Like, but why would I want that? I wouldn't have, you know, smartphones. Well, then I wouldn't, you need, you know, starving children in third world countries for those too. But you know, we wouldn't have Elon Musk doing all the things that he's doing and like hate him as much as you want. He's doing a lot for technology because yeah. as people, as these smart people build these things, things that get built to build those advanced things help everybody out. You know, so it's, it just kind of blew my mind that they're like, like you said, 
we're not, we're not, instead of developing ways to help bring the bottom up, we're going to bring the top down. How does that help? Well, it does say that the system will be replaced by a program that offers possibility of accelerated learning to students in the later years of elementary school. So it's not like they're just getting rid of it and not doing anything to replace it. So you have to bring that to like also what his plan is. Yeah, but that's the only, it doesn't, it doesn't spell anything out of what it's, what's that even mean? Well, offers it, it the possibility sounds of like learning to students later parents are pulling their kids out of school anyway because of this inconsistency or this lack of opportunity for all of the children. Yeah, but it's not a lack of opportunity because any, anybody can take the test. You don't have to pay to, t- to take these advanced tests to get like, it's just an, the opportunity is the same there. He's saying that his new plan would offer more children would have the opportunity to receive some accelerated learning than under the existing plan. Right. But what's that mean? So does that mean we're, we're offering some, that's, that's a super vague word there. So that's when I, when you read these things, it's, it's the. It's the very specific words they use. So this new plan would offer some advanced accelerated learning because from what I understand is now, instead of the, that accelerated teaching being done to the accelerated students, now they're going to offer some accelerated learning to the entire classroom. So then it's, all right, well, we've, we've had the discussion as parents. You know, when, if there's a kid in a classroom that, is that has a concept down and they fully understand it, but they're doing something as a class that kid can get bored. Yeah. I mean, I've been there myself and certain, some, some classes, like I said, I just didn't pay attention to, but there are some classes where I was like, I know this. Why? Yeah. Give so, you, yeah. Give you something else. Yeah. So they check out and then it's, well, some, this is, well, this program is a little more accelerated. Here's do do the backside of this worksheet, Billy. This is accelerated. So they could call that accelerated because it's just a little more complicated. But then... So you want that spelled out is what you're saying? What does yeah, that mean? yeah. What, what is that? Well, it would... Because it said... It even said it would offer some kids some accelerated learning. What the fuck is that supposed yeah, to mean? There's a lot of sums in there. Yeah, like... So we did, they did say that he's been criticized for not taking forceful action to fulfill his promise in tackling inequality in public schools. But then did you read that it said that the Democratic nominee hasn't like commented on it or he's rejected calls to get rid of the gifted classes? Right. But instead favors an expansion of the programs into low-income neighborhoods. Right. So that's so the new guy. Who's cover- yeah, who would be taking his place isn't completely on board. He looks like he Absolutely. wants to do both. Right. So I'm not saying that the state of New York, but I'm just saying like this is one thing of look at these fucks. Like why – like and, and there was some things like that he is – his successor has talked about or not necessarily he's kind of avoiding because because it's 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 complicated situations but as a mayor of of new york fucking city it's a it's a pretty big city complicated man that no one can understand yeah so like it's it's but it's ideas like that that oh there's there's a, a quality problem here so instead of doing our best to lift the people at the bottom up it's no, let's cut the top off. It doesn't make any sense to me. 
And that's. Yeah, that sounds like you could have like looked down and picked up a dollar, but you just stepped over it to pick up a dime. Yeah, like it doesn't make. And I guess maybe my part of my problem is because I've, because like I see like how much money these politicians make and how many there are, like, like there's every single like political office has like a handful of people underneath of them too. Yeah. Like, what do we need all you motherfuckers for? We got what four hundred eighty-five people in the House of Representatives, like a hundred in the Senate, like, and all these. What What are you, all you people doing? Because we haven't gotten shit done, like, ever. Hardly. Like, you know, I I love democracy, but at some point, man, we gotta get some shit done, or do nothing and let me do what the fuck I want to do. <laughs> it feels like some things are getting done now not any not good things though at an expedited pace right so but that was just one of those like it kind of brought me back to i don't remember what episode it was we talked about it where um you know lowering the bar just so people can feel better about themselves giving a participation trophy out that doesn't help anybody no you know it's fun to joke about. And I know, I think Dusty said the whole time, he's like, he's like, oh, I said, he's like, I set the bar real low and just step over that bitch because it makes life easy. Yeah, but it doesn't like make life necessarily good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, so lowering the bar and bringing the top down to the bottom, like, sorry, there's got to be, guess what? There's got to be somebody at the bottom. There's got to be somebody at the top. If not, everybody's fucking poor and having a terrible time. So communism and socialism. One on one, right? Right. So it boils down to. Oh uh, yeah. All right. Let's go to the next let's let's look at the next fucked. Oh, this so this is a little different one. So this is the um Oh, I remember this one. Yeah, so Donzinger, I think it's what his name is. First name's Steve. Not Steve. Just scroll down there. Uh it's not yeah, it's Steven Donzinger. So for anybody who hasn't heard about this one, this is kind of a fucked up one. Um, so Steven Donzinger is a humanitarian lawyer. Was. Was. Was a humanitarian lawyer. And I, like I said, as always, I don't know all the details. I'm not an expert. But bullet points, go look it up for yourself. Um, bullet points was, I think he was, he was... Um, involved in a case and he was representing I want to say it was it Ecuador uh, I can't remember if it, there's, it's in there somewhere Rainbow yeah Ecuador Revolution yeah Ecuador. so he was involved in a legal battle against Chevron um, over rainforest pollution in Ecuador and essentially during the trial if I have my facts right um, no it was, I think it was after the trial so he he won in an Ecuadorian court and uh, basically, the Ecuadorian court said, like, yeah, like, Chevron needs to pay billions and billions of dollars. Um, tried to bring it to the U.S., and uh, this judge in the U.S. case was like, man, no, that was only, you only won that course in Ecuador because of bribery and fraud and all these different things. So Wait, we're is not. This the same judge that's being investigated now? <laughs> I, have no, I, have no, I can't keep them all straight anymore, <laughs> honestly. So, um, I don't know what happened there. That's all right. Um, so probably talking about Chevron, bro. They shut probably, you down. Yeah, Chevron shutting my ass down. 
Look at that. They just, it just all went blank. Wow. Okay. Anyways, oh, here it comes back up. So this guy, long story short, um, went to court against Chevron um, and won the case in Ecuador, came brought to the United States to try to make Chevron pay this, that, whatever. And the U.S. judge was like, no, you're basically corrupt. And we're going to need all of your electronics. We want your laptop. We want your cell phone. We want everything that you have. This was after the case was done. And he was like, well, no, like, I'm not like, basically, like, I'm not the one, mm-hmm. you know, in this lawsuit right now. I'm just the lawyer, like, and that's client privilege. You can't have this stuff. So then um, he was, so this U.S. judge held him in contempt of court. He was on house arrest for like two and a half years and just went to prison the other day for another, like, actually had to go to prison for like six months. After, like, and I guess, like, from my understanding, this type of punishment has never been brought on by in the, like a scenario like this ever. Wasn't there something to do with that judge though, in particular, that one that sentenced him? There might have been. I, I don't I think, like. I said I don't know the details. It's 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 one of those stories where it's it's too detailed to get into. But if you want to really scroll down a little bit, Cass, please. Oh, it's fucking Chevron. But it's just interesting that like. Um, there's some, there's a lot of fuckery going on here. That's all right, Cash. With this attorney that, like, he wasn't part of the case. It was just he was fighting against Chevron, and now all of a sudden, like, all of these things are happening to him that have never ever historically been done to an attorney like this in the history of the U.S. And it's like this is getting sketchy. You realize that it's money. Whoever's got the money, that's where it's going to happen. So. So anybody, you get the, monies, you get the powers, <laughs> yeah, you get the money, yeah. you get the the women, yeah, the women, yeah. So anybody that's listening to this that hates our, uh, that look might might view us through a uh, a lens that it seems to be that we're on the on the far right, a myopic view, yeah. Any anybody any any liberals out there listening to this, this should concern you because this guy was fighting for you know, the rights of a, a country of big corporations destroying the rainforest. And here he is going to prison because he ended up being a lawyer fighting against a big corporation. That's scary. Kind of, I had the conversation the other day with somebody that, um, uh, what was it exactly? It was something along the lines of, you know, being upset with the government and, uh, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something to do with corporations and whatnot. And I said, I said, you do realize I said, it, it, the story he sent me, I was like, the story perfectly exemplifies how everybody's upset with the government because the government is the mouthpiece for all the bad things that people want to be upset for. But then you realize, where does that come from? Well, it just comes from these corporations that they're lobbyists and everything else. Like you look at uh, Democrat, uh, was it Kristen Cinema? Like all the things she ran on, that's not her stance anymore. Like tax the rich, all these like you know, <laughs> tax the tax the rich, all these things, and all they get in there, and it's oh well, I didn't mean I didn't exactly mean tax all the rich people and corporations. We need these people. No, you need these people to stay in office and to make millions of dollars once you get out of office. Like, you realize that 
the one bad thing I will say that I've realized more and more I dig into it. The one bad thing about capitalism is capitalism finds out, figures out how to run governments. How do you have a balance between a dictatorship like China and the communism versus corporations running? Because corporations running the nation aren't, that's not a good thing either. When you realize some of the nasty things that these companies do just to make a dime. It doesn't put us in a very good situation either. Love money is the root of all evil, right? <laughs> Gonna boil us down to it. But yeah, that's a really interesting case to look into too. Old Donzinger. Oh, I love that. So look at this fucked. National pride is at stake. Russia, China, United States race to build hypersonic weapons. So not national safety, but national pride. National pride. It sounds like the race of the moon, except for with nuclear warheads. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, when I saw I'll that, be warded. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, um, if you haven't seen, um, it was a few weeks back, Russia, and it was, this was another story that surprised me. It was so quiet. Russia tested out this hypersonic nuclear warhead capable thing, missile essentially, but the different technology. Um, and it was like, I saw that and I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, that's no good. And then China came out and, and they tested one a week or so ago. Was there a, a missile though? Or was there something that was going up into space? China's, it, it's like subspace. Okay. So, and this was a really interesting article too. We'll get real quick. Um, but then a couple of days after that, US was like, oh, we tested one too. And it was like, guys, guys, hold on. Like, why? This is just one of those things where. And if anybody doesn't understand this, this is an interesting, um, if you scroll down that, this is why I pulled this one up because it has a really cool, oh, that's a China missile. Look at that thing. That's nasty looking. Um, yeah, scroll all the way down. There's that right here. Uh, so they had a couple little like things that like, kind of showed the, uh, give it a visual effect of what the difference is. So you look at like a normal airplane, you know, they can, you know, fly pretty fast. Mm. Um, you look at some of like our fighter jets, they can hit like Mach three, four, which is three to four times the sound or three to four times the speed of sound, which is pretty damn fast. That's what creates a sonic boom, all those cool things. So, you know, hypersonic, we have cruise missiles, which can hit, you know, upwards of almost 10 times the speed of sound Mach 10. But then there's these hypersonic glide vehicles that they're developing now. Which is like twenty plus times the you speed mean like of sound. Tic tac. Yeah, <laughs> kind of sounds like it, right? Um, so the interesting thing about these is if you scroll down to the next one, there's like a next little table here, which is kind of cool. Oh yeah. So we scroll down a little bit more. So I was like, I thought this was really neat. So anybody not seeing this, you have to look at it. Um, and so the 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 general idea is a ICBM, intercontinental ballistic missile. You know, they kind of shoot it up like a rocket into space. It goes into space and it kind of arcs back down onto his target. That was a technology we, you know, had before. So those are, you can intercept those because it has a very defined path. You can see where it's coming from. Missile defense systems can see it and shoot it down, right? Kind of like uh, Israel's like Iron Dome deal. But the problem with these hypersonic things is they can move at weird looks like very erratic fashions yeah well they they kind of like they almost they can move so fast and they they kind of move like off of their own like 
like burst waves that they don't, you know, because they're traveling through atmosphere and stuff, oh. and different than like an ICBM. So, and they move so fast that missile defense systems haven't caught up to that speed yet. So, there's no defense for them. So normally, like if you think, oh, and interesting, I listened to. Uh, have you listened to any much of Dan Carlin's Hardcore History podcast? No. Super interesting. So it's like some of them are like five hours long. So it's like yeah, it's like a documentary. Like that you just have to like pause and. Uh, but he does a really good job of going through a bunch of different historical stuff. Like he detailed like what he has one like on um like like just talking about like Spartan wars and all these different things. But he talked about basically the nuclear war issue and threats and Cuban Missile Crisis. Now listen to that one. It was really interesting. Like when you realize that it's it's this game of chess of in like chicken almost of. Well, I have I have these nukes. Well, they have these nukes. Who's going to use the nukes? Because someone uses like it's like this threat of I have nukes. And we'll use them, so don't mess with us. And the other side's like, oh, they're not going to use their nukes. We'll fuck them up. Like whatever. Like who's going to press that button to start nuclear war and essentially destroy the world? And before we have defenses against them because the technology we are able to find ways to defend against it well now our technology isn't caught up enough to defend against hypersonic nuclear warhead type platforms it's like what like we're just like racing to like do we really need a weapon that can blow up the entire earth like that's what we used to be like so there's the next thing they just hey guys um so we drilled down into the earth and we put this fusion bomb down there so don't mess with us or we'll blow everybody up. Like, we'll just blow the earth to pieces. Is that where we're like, what else? I don't know what, how much further we could go at this point. I saw a meme the other day that said, uh, when aliens fly by earth, they lock their doors. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that fit in pretty good. There. Yeah. Like that's, that's what we're doing. Like we're now we've gone so far to say, all right, you have technology that can blow us up. Well, guess what? We develop technology. That can go blow us and you up. Everybody. We're just killing us all. Like, yeah. Hatch <laughs> what is that, that uh, uh, idiom about uh, cut off your nose to spite your face? Right. I think it's uh, you just cut your whole head off is what it sounds like now. Yeah. Because I get it. All right. No, we, we got to develop next. Why Why are we? I don't know. People are people. When everyone's, you know. We're gonna fight, but I saw it. I was like, "Well, this isn't good. That's it's going no going nowhere good at all." Nope. So I don't know. We're just gonna blow each other up, apparently. Um, but speaking of blowing each other up, we have to track each other first, right? I don't know, this was a, a story that came out. So Venice to track cell phones and use hundreds of cameras to manage tourist entry. So let's just reread that with. We'll just say um, a country is going to track cell phones and use hundreds of cameras to manage its people. <laughs> kind of sounds like China. Tourists aren't people. They want to. They just want to manage everybody else. Oh, that's just so. Just accept. Yeah. Yeah, but in the article right. it says so they can decipher between who's a tourist, who's a civilian, how long these people are here. So essentially, these people are putting into place China. How many times? How many different stories have you seen where it's in China? It's 
you're tracked like if they wanted to yeah. or like korea um i would say north korea but i don't think they, they hell out the time their electricity isn't even working yeah. well, you never know when isis is going to show up in virginia you gotta track people. <laughs> oh, yeah and that's the thing it's hey we need we need to track everybody for your safety yeah that's what mark zuckerberg told us too yeah that's okay. a patriot act isn't it <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. After nine eleven, it was like, well, we have to be able to track everyone's phones and be able to read. So you know, and listen in for your safety. To your safety. Very. All these things are very nineteen eighty four ish, very Orwellian, as they say. Yeah. But I saw this and I was like, oh, that's interesting. And they literally they're they're tracking cell phones, and they have four hundred sixty eight cameras. Which that doesn't sound like a lot, but Venice is not a big place. It was just funny. You see this adoption going on around the world. And uh, like in Australia, yeah, they're tracking people's phones. If you're driving down the road and at the wrong time and when you shouldn't be, like you can go to prison or get fined. Like, what are we doing here, folks? Dude, that's so. It's like a military state there, basically. Yeah, or a police state. Yeah, look at these facts. That's so, not good. No, it's not good, and it's happening everywhere. Dude, now the animals aren't even the most dangerous. <laughs> the people, I guess. That's, yeah, we're turning into animals, though, I feel like. But, yeah, that was just a little short one. I was like, oh, like, we're just really tying this in across the world, huh? Like, we're just, we're really just, we're doubling down. You can't go anywhere. And if you do, we're going to tax you and follow you and make sure where you're at. What's this? As a part of the city's efforts to manage tourism, Barongo made clear his Sunday news conference that visitors will be expected to adhere to certain guidelines. There will be continuous attached conditions attached to obtain priority bookings and discounts. He said, you can't come in your swim, swimming suit. You can't jump from a bridge or get drunk. Whoever comes must respect the city. And we will track you in your phone. To swimming do so. suit is disrespectful? Well, sir, you can I keep guess. your sea anals to yourself. <laughs> well. So there's that. Glad we're making a happy home here, babe. There's that. Yeah. I mean, we're, yeah, we're soon not going to be able to leave the country anyways or come and leave state lines. Yeah. So, you know, authoritarian states and just around the world, we're going down to it. Um, this next one, speaking of tracking an authoritarian, um, yeah, you can play it to report an unvaccinated coworker. Someone on the internet said they do it for a bag of flaming Hot Cheetos. So here's the thing. Soon, there's going to be a federal vaccination mandate for all companies that employ more than so 100 people. So obviously right when Biden but announced OSHA, that. But OSHA, the agency responsible for enforcing workplace safety, has fewer than 2,000 inspectors across the country. Now listen to this. And there's, what, eight or nine million workplaces, so you can do the math. That's a former OSHA enforcement director that my colleague Andrea Shu talked to this week. So what's OSHA going to do? Well... If an employee files a complaint, and if they allege a serious hazard, then OSHA wants to get out there as soon as possible to investigate the complaint. And if a company isn't complying, they can be charged up to $13,600, or 10 times more than that for repeated violations. Slightly more expensive than a bag of hot Cheetos. What would it yeah, take so you to can pause that now. So, this is another fantastic reporting from NPR. So... This was right around when um, the vaccine mandate thing was coming out. And to me, it's the, the concern necessarily isn't the, um, obviously the concern is the mandates and, you know, forcing people to do things to survive and work and all those things, particularly when the 
numbers and stats just don't match up. But it's I think it's the normalizing of stuff like this. What literally the title is what would you turn in an unvaccinated coworker? And what would it take for you to do that? Like what? What? Is this we're 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 going down the road of we're just turning to North Korea. Like I finished that Yanmi Park book. Um and people, you know, can talk shit about it, whatever. But man, they do think it's been I think it's I feel like it's fairly confirmed that like that's that's something they do there is you have to tell on your neighbor, on your this, that, whatever, and you have to be well, if they're doing something wrong, we expect you to police your neighbors, essentially. Sounds awfully familiar to another or multiple different historic crime, like egregious crimes on humanity throughout the years. Yeah. And just the normalizing of what would you do? How much would it take you to, to re- like to, re- <laughs> to turn in your coworker or family member or neighbor that wasn't following the rules? I'm not gonna lie. I, I was having a real hard time even paying attention to anything she was saying. I was just wondering if you put red in front of her if she'd charge. Ah, dude, yeah, she had a big old nose nose ring in. But like one, like this is the reporting we're doing, like with your cat on the counter and a flaming hot bag of cheese. First of all, who the fuck lets their cats on the counter? You dirty bitch. Oh. <laughs> like, why would you do that? That's gross. <laughs> like, yeah. Maybe she was trying to get toxoplasmosis so she could be more aggressive. I don't know. I don't know, man. Anybody, I, I don't know if I can trust anybody that like l- allows their animals just to climb all over their kitchen counters. Like, I get it. Cats are going to do what the fuck they want because cats don't give a damn. And we have a funny animal story to close off today, too. But come on. Like, what? I think that's the, the biggest thing that's a, that blows my mind here is, is looking at the multiple different layers of this, of all these, all the reporting and stuff we've seen is it's normalizing things that shouldn't be normal. Yeah. And it's kind of, it's desensitizing. You know, you want to complain about your kids playing bloody video games or what? Like this is a bloody video game for adults. What would it take for you to turn in your neighbor who wasn't following the rules? Who's not being a good neighbor to you? Yeah, moral of the story: uh, live out in the country so you don't have neighbors. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, but that was uh. So we'll get into the uh, real quick. We can kind of start wrapping this up in a sense. But there's some numbers and some fun things that were happening. So here, hold on. I'm gonna be. You're gonna be okay. Yeah, no, you can keep going. I'll come back to this. I just definitely want to add to this. Well, yeah. Well, I will. T- okay quick break because this is where it gets all right so obviously just recently the fda has approved um the vaccines for kids 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 ages 5 to 11 um and as long as the cdc clears it they could start giving those out um so you know it makes uh the shots available as this article says on CNBC, and I pulled all of these articles up um, for anybody watching the show or listening um, from quote unquote reputable news sources. Um, so, 28 million kids could be, you know, available to 28 million kids. So, there's some interesting numbers that we've discussed, and we've never really fully discussed this on the podcast. So, I won't get too crazy into it, but it, 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 it ties all back into the perception and understanding and references. And I don't mean references is like 
people or websites or things, but like looking critically at what you're seeing, the news you're seeing, the, the information that's being presented to you and, you know, dissecting that and really understanding it and making sure that the way you're looking at it, you don't just take it at face value. You don't just take it right off the bat and go, okay, yeah, that's what it is. It's really kind of putting it through a processor and going, okay, what does this really mean? You know, are they trying to say something that they're not actually saying, but they're, they're using the right words to make me think something, you know what I mean? Cause I, it's propaganda is it's, it's, they're good. They've been practicing it for a long time. So if you look at the, uh, the next, the next one, that was just really the title. I wasn't really getting the article, but yeah. So we've talked about how the efficacy of the vaccines, we've, I think we've touched on it very briefly, um, that it's, it's kind of after a while it reduces. So this isn't a, a one and done vaccine. Like, um, you know, they've been throwing out booster shots and whatnot for you know, yeah. certain people. So this article kind of fits into that category very well. Um, so if you scroll down just a little bit there, uh, a little bit more, here we go. This, I found, this is why I picked this article because I found this interesting. So it says in this like little subtitle, um, the Pfizer vaccine's effectiveness in preventing severe COVID-19 wanes over time, but Moderna's does not. Sounds pretty good for Moderna, right? Okay. So then they have a little chart there where it has Pfizer, uh, Pfizer, <laughs> Pfizer, BioNTech, um, 14 to 120 days since full va- fully vaccinated, 91% efficacy, and 120 days plus since fully vaccinated. Sounds like some, right? That those vague wording, 120 plus days. So is that just like right at 120? Is it 121? Yeah. Is it 150? Is it 500? And where does that percentage go at, you know? Right, so down, yeah, so it goes. 150 days or 180 days. Right. So they so they have 14 to 120 days, 91% for Pfizer, 93% for Moderna. The next one, 120 days plus, <laughs> so vague, Pfizer's at 77%, Moderna's at 92%. So. 120 days, Moderna's still solid. Okay, cool. 120 days, that's what, four months? No. So four months. Okay, what about six to eight to, you know, a year? So if you scroll down a little bit more, there it is. Uh, Moderna's analysis showed that participants who had received their first dose more recently, a median of eight months ago, compared to a median of 13 months ago, were 36% less likely to become infected with COVID-19. So that was the one that didn't wane at all, right? No reduction. Except they just said we're 30%, 36% less likely to become infected from eight months to a median of 13 months. So I don't know what happened in that four to eight month window, but they just said right there, eight to 13 months, it was a 36% drop. So what? <laughs> Does that mean it was at 60 now? Or what was the drop between four to eight months? You know, I don't know. Like, you know, I'm not trying to particularly die, like pick apart all these facts, but you see the way these things are written. It can be so confusing for people to see. And then unless you really write all these facts and numbers down and track it all, like people are 
most people aren't even going to read this far into it. They're going to see, oh, well, Pfizer drops 20% in the first four months. Moderna doesn't drop at all. Man, that Moderna one must be good. And then a couple paragraphs later in the, in the same article, they say, well, Moderna eight to 13 months, there's a 36% drop. What? You just told me it didn't drop at all. Like, look at these facts. Like, like what's, you know, so it, it's just like, I don't necessarily want to particularly get on like all of the details of this because especially with this, there's so many statistical details and questions and different things going on. Nobody can really know perfect, but it's just the point of what the fuck is going on? Like even these are like, even there's just so much, um, I don't want to, it's not misinformation or different disinformation. It's just, there's so much information out there. The way it's worded can really change everything. So unless you have a full view of what's going on, yeah, it's probably best to not, you know, hold on to it too dearly. So if we go to the next one, yeah. When are they supposed to authorize this? Because we already have schedules at work. They're looking for volunteers for these COVID-19 vaccines for F ages 5 to 11. As far as I know, FDA, I don't know if the CDC's approved it yet. They may, they may have. I mean, because these clinics are scheduled in uh, like two weeks. Like I, starting yeah, I don't, I don't know if the CDC has a, approved it, but I know the FDA has. When was this article? When did this article come out? This was this the one 29th, was, I think. October oh, 29th. yeah. It was, yeah. October 29th. So I think they're expecting the CDC to sign off on it. Where I work, they are very much expecting it because yeah. they have schedules. Obviously. Yeah. So since we talked, since we're discussing the CDC, I want to throw some numbers out for some people, and this is all pulled from the CDC website. Um, just some interesting points to consider. So this chart we have up here, this is, you see the, the darker blue boxes. That is deaths from COVID. No, sorry. No, sorry. False, false. Back up. That's deaths total. In that age group from um, January 1st of 2020, so start, quote unquote, start of the pandemic, to now. So we have to consider when looking at this table, um, and there's a bar graph and a line graph that goes along with it. Looking at this table, this is almost two years worth of deaths in the United States total. The small blue boxes is COVID. And the line, which is off of another, off the other side of the graph, so it's on a different axis essentially, is influenza. So a couple of things you can glean from this right off the bat is, well, obviously, your chances of death in general, because it's by age group, it's one to four, five to fourteen. Um, oh, I don't know why that under ones in there. Fifteen to twenty-four, twenty-five to thirty-four, thirty-five to forty, forty, and so on, up to eighty-five plus. So obviously, your chances of death as you get older are greater because, you know, we're all going to die. And as you get old, you die. But there's some interesting things in here that there's two different groups I want to touch on because obviously, as you're older, it's been widely known um, COVID affects the elderly and, you know, the Comor, 
now it's like comorbidities or whatever yeah so if you have comorbidities overweight if you're old those are your biggest pain points with covid so but there's a couple groups i want to look at one is obviously the 5 to 14 right because that's what they just got approved for for the vaccines so if you hover over the 5 to 14 year olds so in the last almost two years 177 5 to 14 year olds have died from covid 177 480 have died from the flu 10,030 have are total deaths so to put that into perspective in the 2019 census um oh did i write that down oh yeah i did so there are in the five to 14 year old age group 41 million people five to 14 years old 177 died from covid in two years 400 from flu and 10,000 from other stuff so kind of going back to what would i do with that money Let's figure out why five to 14, 10,000, five to 14 year olds are dying a year. Cause it sure as fuck ain't COVID. But we're worried about getting vaccines in their arms. Why? I don't know. Well, because like we've talked about before, the potential long-term side effects that COVID could. Yeah, but we don't even know what those been. are. It could, it could not yeah. be at all. No, I agree. It could make them geniuses, but it could turn them into fucking Superman. I mean, it doesn't make sense for me. My kid's not getting it. I'm not getting it. But I can see that that's what, why they would be pushing it. Well, so I, I, so I want to tie this all back into... Then that's what we should be spending the money on. Right. Is, is researching... Is research. The long-term whole COVID. And if that truly does reduce the long-term symptoms or reduce, you know, the ability for you to even catch it. So, or if you catch it, reduce the long-term whole. Right. There's so many stats here, but it's it seems to be it's so... It's so Get the vaccine. Get the vaccine. Get every, you need to get your kids. Everyone needs to get the vaccine. Well, once once the efficacy starts waning, well, now you gotta get the booster. You gotta get the booster. You gotta get the. Well, hold on. Like, let's talk. Let's look at these things. Let's talk about these things because it doesn't make any sense. One hundred seventy-seven kids died of COVID. Ten thousand of them died from something else. I don't see that being a huge concern for everybody. Well, and like you said, more died from influenza, so why wouldn't that be of a good Yeah, concern? almost, yeah. More than twice as many died from the flu. <laughs> like, what? So it's about putting it in perspective. And then I would get the, the vaccine if we knew, if you got the vaccine, you couldn't pass it along. Because that, that's just not the truth. It's certainly not. Certainly not. There's been some studies I've seen that show that actually if you have the vaccine, you're more likely to spread it. But we won't get into all that because it's there's a lot of you know gray areas in there too. But it's been established: you get the vaccine doesn't mean you're going to survive it. Doesn't mean you're going to not do, pass it on. Do you think they, they might be more likely to spread it because they maybe take more risks? Maybe. And there is some data too. We have a, a table that shows like the age, like the like that eighteen to twenty year old, eighteen to thirty year old group has much higher case percentage which makes sense because they're out there like yeah like i'm not gonna die like fuck you guys i'm gonna go do what i want and that's what i mean that's what teenagers do anyways but so that would just it it just really it struck me that like in the cases i don't think i have i think i might have so this number up on one of these tables but 
So out of those five to 14 year olds that 177 of them died from COVID over three and a half million have been tested positive for cases of COVID. So that, that brings you, you can do the math to a 0.005%, not 5%, not 0.5, 0.005% mortality rate. Why are we so concerned about getting five to 14 year olds vaccinated? I get the long haul thing, which they, they, which, that's what they should offer of that 3 million plus. Like how many of them had long-term symptoms? Yeah. Where are those studies? I Let me see those studies. I know that, that would, you know, provide some weight or validity to this push to, to get these. It still doesn't, you know, give us a complete safety profile though. No, it for sure doesn't. But like there has to be these, just using this group as five to 14 year olds that had COVID right off the rip. Yeah. So we'd have almost two years worth of data. Yeah. And then, and if we had that, the long-term, like, let's say, you know, half a percent has long-term, then you go, well, it, the, the risk might not outweigh the benefit at that yeah, point. Or all of them do. Yeah. Or, yeah. you know, whatever it is, something. Yeah. And then you go, oh, wow, it does outweigh it. Probably should get the vax. Yeah. Let's take that $125 million and start putting it into actual research that can benefit us now instead of finding new fucking viruses to fuck with like what are we doing so part of this data um if you also look at the 25 to 34 year old group which is statistic not statistically it's factual um factual that this is the highest group of population in the u.s so there are more 25 to 34 year olds than any other of these age groups so obviously they have, they have, so there's, so I'll put this, put, put these numbers. So we have roughly 7 million people in the U S from the, the 2019 census that are 25 to 34, 7 million of those 7 million, 135,000 of them have died in the last almost two years total. 7,000 of those were from COVID and 1,400 were from the flu. So obviously you can see that the, they didn't die nearly as much from the flu as they did from COVID, yeah. which makes sense because as we know, as you get older, it's harder to fight COVID than the flu and flu is for whatever reason, a higher danger for younger children. So, but even then 7,000 out of 7 million died from COVID, which brings you, if you do the math to 0.106% mortality. So, and that's, that's of the cases. Oh, sorry. So 7 million was cases, not total population. Total population is 46 million. Make sure I get that straight. So 7 million, 25 to 34 year olds had tested positive for COVID, which also, how many people have COVID that didn't test positive for it? So if you get COVID, as a 25 to 34 year old, and if you tested positive for COVID as a 25 to 34 year old, you have a 99.98 or 49% chance of survival. <laughs> it's close. I think that number is wrong, but more than <laughs> you have a 0.106% chance of dying from COVID if you test positive for it. 
So why do why are we forcing people to get a vaccine that does not prevent them from spreading it to keep their jobs? I don't know. Yeah, that <laughs> silence is your answer. Yeah, you know what I mean? So no one with half a brain and a modicum of common sense has a good answer. Yeah, so like I said before, there's there's a lot of things that if it stopped us from transferring it, if if it actually stopped you from getting it, if it stopped you from going to the hospital, if it stopped you from dying, okay, I get it. Obviously, if you want to get it, by all means, please do get vaccinated, but you have to understand that you could still spread it. The hospitalization and death rates of vaccinated folks are going up, particularly I can imagine if you've had it more than six to 10 months ago. Yeah. And, and if more people are getting vaccinated, it would only make sense that. Right. More people are getting it. Yeah. If it doesn't stop you from getting it, that just makes sense. Yeah. But the push and the narrative around it is what is concerning me. Like all of these things we've talked about, how all these pieces of the puzzle fit together concerns me. So I just thought that was interesting data table there. Um, go click on the next one. There's a couple more here, but we don't have to go too in depth with them. Um, oh, so this was total. So that, that top line, this is total deaths over the last two years, almost two years is 6 million. Um, now in 2019, um, if you want to click the next table, next tab, next tab, sorry. Yeah. Oh, sorry. So I'll say this real quick and we can, it's, it shows up on the next one. But um, typically, I think last 2019, there were like three, an average of like 2.8 million deaths a year. That's just deaths, just people die. You know, yeah. people get hit by buses, all those things. So we are just above. That, that's your random example. I mean, people, do. people die. People get hit by buses. They do. You know? Not like cancer or, you know, they're well, just no, old we'll, we'll get or to like we're gonna random get there. shit just. People but I'm saying, I'm, I'm just saying guys. everybody, just, okay. just <laughs> I'm just, I'm making, I'm making the point that it's everybody, no matter who died that got counted in the 6 million. Well, a bus will fuck you up, man. Um, so this was, this was just another table that just, I don't know why it's see, this is another thing too. This is CDC site today. So as of right now, so this, this shows two, um, cases by age group. Um, so, and it says data from 36.5 million cases. And it shows how you, how you break down for the ages. This was pulled today. As of right now, there's over 40 some million cases recorded. What's up with this number? 36 million. It's like they're missing 10 million cases. What? How? So in, uh, another point I'll show you in a little bit is all these data points, they're all different. And they're all like these weird things that we, you can't make sense out of any of it because none of it is coherent. None of it is cohesive, I guess. It's coherent if you dig down into it, but none of it's like cohesive where it matches up. So you, these, these aren't even all the cases, but you look at that 18 to 30 year range, like that's where um, there's a lot of the people, a lot of the cases. And then for whatever reason, 50 to 64 has a high case rate as well. But if you look at the case rate versus the death, Obviously, the older you are, the more your chance of, you know, dying from COVID. So it's just, there's a lot of, if you like numbers and stats, there's a lot of numbers and stats. So if you really dig into them, even from the CDC's own website, when I started doing it in the beginning, I was like, well, this doesn't make any sense. Why are we so concerned about this? 
Like there's a, there's a lot of other things out there that I feel like we should be more concerned about. And if you uh, go on to the next tab there, um, so that just shows population. Obviously, the pop population is mostly younger in the United States. Just want to put that out there. Those are where I got my 41 million, 46 million for the age groups. So here, off of, once again, the CDC website, this is data from 2019. The total, the cumulative data, number of deaths in 2019 was 2.8 million. Okay. So obviously, I think they haven't tallied everything up from 2020, but I would imagine it's going to be a little higher than this with COVID naturally. And, you know, we won't mention suicides and everything else that, that were up and the drug overdoses. Cause there was, I think we talked about that one episode where like drug overdoses were up like 75% year over year in 2020 and 2021 because of everything going on. Like yeah. it was, it was a drastic number. It was like, I want to say it was like, it was well into the tens of thousands of people more than typical. Yeah. Cause I, I feel like it was like, like under 20,000 before. And then it went up to what, like 93,000 yeah, It was something crazy. So, but regardless, so you have 2.8 million deaths. That's probably an average. I didn't go back and pull like every single year, whatever, but I would imagine that was probably a pretty average year, 2019. Life expectancy, 78.8 years. So, I mean, once you get to that number, that's pretty good. But once you get to the number, like, sorry, bro, you're going to die from something. Like, I'll be lucky if I get that. I'll be lucky if I get to 78. But what are the leading causes of death? So, this number one, heart disease, 659,000. That's damn near about what COVID has put, has killed, right? I can't remember the total number of COVID deaths now, but it's, it's up there. Heart disease, and then cancer. Cancer, obviously, there's some things you can't do. Obviously, I think there are some cancers that are, mm, might have been some lifestyle choices that probably got you there. You know, I'm not saying, like, I want people to die, but, yeah. you know, we all make Smoking, choices. drinking, tanning bed. Right, fast food, which is probably, how much, if you had to put a percentage on the heart disease number, how much of that do you think is just bad life choices? Considerably higher than just genes. Yeah. So you said the heart disease was six hundred fifty-nine thousand so mm-hmm. far. Right now, total deaths of COVID is um, seven hundred forty-five thousand for U.S. Okay. So we're COVID, and that's almost that's over two years. So this is a year number. Six hundred fifty-nine thousand was just two thousand nineteen. So COVID, I want to hasn't killed on year. So those numbers they're little apples and oranges, but but overall. But in two years, I bet that number is more than one million. So, heart, I would, I think it's probably safe to say that heart disease kills has killed more people on average per year than COVID. When you kind of put those numbers together, yeah, two different things. But like, and besides being old, like we should all know at this point, what's the highest risk factor of dying from COVID? Not being healthy. Obesity. Yeah, comorbidities, obesity, and poor sugar control. Right. And then probably what? Vitamin D deficiency after that, which is not being outside in the sun. Not like just not being healthy. Hmm? 
issue too. Yeah, well, that's I, what kills I just, them. I just group that in with the comorbidities. Yeah, cool. yeah, but like that's was it was it's over seventy five percent of COVID deaths have been overweight, and then like sixty yeah. percent of them have like vitamin D deficiencies or something like mm-hmm. that. So yeah. I think that the average comorbidities is like like four, right? Which typically when you get one, you kind of bring a couple of long with you. Yeah. You know, not all, obviously not always, you know, we've talked about friends like the party, bro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you know, and, and I don't like, I don't want people to get the wrong because we've talked, I mean, we've talked in depth. Um, you know, a lot of people like to throw around comorbidities and, and they, they always throw diabetes. Well, we, we've discussed, I don't know if we've ever really discussed it on the podcast that like type one diabetes, which we had an episode on when Cass was, you know, kind of told her story, you know, that's when your pancreas just doesn't work. Well, type two diabetes is a whole different, not whole different thing, but it's kind of a different thing where your pancreas doesn't produce, it can't keep up with your body. Well, most of the time people with type two diabetes, it can't keep up with your body because you're overweight and pancreas is like, bro, you are putting way too many carbs, French fries and hamburger buns in in here. And I just can't process all this shit when you're eating, you know, 10,000 calories a day of fast food bullshit. Like, yeah, your body starts shutting down. So like, but people can have, you know, diabetes or can have, you know, lung issues or different comorbidities without, but a lot of times, man, you eat fast food every single day, all day long. Guess what? You're going to have a couple of comorbidities if you keep at it for a while. Unless you're Les Parsons or Corey Parsons. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, he also fought cancer. So, <laughs> but. And that was, they couldn't really figure out anything specific with that, but he thinks it was from breathing in sawdust for all the years, which he might not be wrong there, but yeah. yeah. So, but he, you know, he'd like, you have to realize that there, there are, there are nuances to these things, but if I'm looking at these numbers and thinking, what can I do to prevent, you know? My chances of dying, whether it be from COVID or just regular old heart disease. Probably increase your activity levels, dial on your diet, uh, get some good rest. <laughs> right. So you can't, you're saying vaccine's not the top of the list for you. <laughs> no. So, and I, the, the counter argument to that is, well, that takes time. That's what you'll hear the people that are pushing the vaccine. We need right. a solution now is what they're saying. Yeah, but it's also yeah, so what statistically we, not what did a solution. We do for nine months while we waited for the vaccine. I certainly in nine yeah. months you can grow a fucking baby. Like right. you yeah, can lose. Yeah, get rid of a baby. You can do a lot in nine months. Yeah, and a little bit goes a long way. So that's the kind of bringing it all back. That's that's what I. I constantly have you trouble. Just circle with. back around. I saw a circle back around but to you it. You actually did circle back. I around. actually am circling yeah. back to it. Yeah, that's. I have a lot of conversations with people, and it takes a long time. In order, f- like when I have these certain conversations, is I'll disagree with somebody, and then it takes a little bit of asking questions, and them going, "No, well, what about this?" I'm like, "That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm talking about. Mm. I'm not trying to say that the vaccines are bad or that the this was a pandemic." Or, you know, what all these different, I'm saying is look at these different layers of things and looking at them through a lens of just curiosity and what do these numbers mean? How, what, what all of these statistics mean? What it like really f- drilling down and trying to 
put all the pieces together, think critically, and you know, think for yourself and not look at these headlines because headlines and statistics, depending on how they are you know, reported or written or displayed, can really be tricky. You mean, um, you mean like a book called How to Lie with Statistics? Right, which is on Bill Gates' thing, but we won't get into that. So on that note, if you could uh, play the next video for us, I want to put. I want. I want people to because this really ties into everything. Yeah, go ahead and play that. We're gonna listen to all two minutes of it. Oh no! They're gonna shut us. Shut us down. First, it was Chevron. Oh no! It's just not playing. Try to read. Try. To, that's super weird. They're shutting us down, Tom. Yep. Yesterday admitted to taking yeah. ivermectin. Ivermectin is something more often used to deworm horses. CNN is saying I'm taking horse dewormer. Rogan telling his 13 million Instagram followers that he was treated with several drugs, and he included ivermectin on the list, a drug used for livestock. Rogan said the word ivermectin. Yes, that's the deworming medicine made to kill parasites and farm animals. Why would they lie and say that's horse dewormer? So things are clearly bad. But they're being made even worse by people who have refused to take the vaccine and instead are swallowing horse paste. Wait, 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 wait a second. He, he said that he got better because he ate he said cattle dewormer. He, they must know that that's a lie. You have individuals like Joe Rogan, for example, who, uh, who don't want to take an experimental vaccine but will take horse dewormer. Well, well, well. well if well, it is well. an old horseworm Rogan. <laughs> Ivermectin is often used to deworm livestock. Ivermectin apparently given to deworm animals. It's a lie on a news network, it, and it's it, a lie that's a willing, that's, that's a lie that they're conscious of. It's not a mistake. Yeah. They're unfavorably framing it as veterinary medicine. Joe Rogan, uh, he came down with COVID. He says, he says he's been taking the uh, livestock dewormer. Uh, ivermectin. They lied what and they said say? I was taking horse dewormer. Ivermectin is a drug that is commonly used as a horse dewormer. They keep saying I'm taking horse dewormer. I literally got it from a doctor. You know, doctors right. say, doctors say you could take it for humans. Yeah, but not for coronavirus. He may not have gotten it from the feed supply store, but it's the same compound. When you have a horse deworming medication that's discouraged by the government, that actually causes some people in this crazed environment we're in to actually want to try it. That's the upside down world we're in with figures like Joe Rogan. Bro, do I have to sue CNN? He also acknowledged taking a controversial treatment designed for animals. Does it bother you that the news network you work for out and out lied, well, just outright lied about me taking horse dewormer. They, they, they shouldn't have said that. Why did they do that? I don't know. Yeah. So oh, I'm not going to get on if ivermectin is, well, at least because I don't, I'm not, I'm not a doctor. I know these things, but tying that all in is like, you won't, you can think what you want about Joe Rogan, but you can't tell me. The holoscopes, they weren't trying to frame that as horse dewormer, which it has been used to treat like billions of people. Four plus billion. For multiple different things. People. 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 Not animals. People. Yeah. Also animals. But guess what? When you give your, you yeah. give your dog, okay, I know a lot of people give their dog fucking Xanax yeah. and 
all Tylenol, kinds of antibiotics. All types of fish an- antibiotics. antibiotics. Yeah. Next time you get the clap, guess what? You're taking some dog fucking whatever. You know what I mean? Like it's the re- that's the way these the way people use their words. The way some people use their words, the way some of these outlets use their words is very intentional. Most people are just talking. Like most time we're like we're sitting here, just bullshit and just we say we could probably say a lot of stupid things. And but give us the room. Like we've said from the beginning, give me the room to explain what I'm saying. Yeah. But when you're used to be a big news channel, you can't tell me that that stuff wasn't on the prompter. That they weren't intentionally doing that. No, well, I mean, compl- you know, very intentionally doing it. Right. So that's the struggle I have. But you have to understand where you're getting your news from. Because, like I said from the beginning, this is not news. I just like to bring up topics and things that go, hey, you look for, <laughs> you check it out yourself. <laughs> but Yeah. And, and so I will speak to what you said you won't speak to. Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Because yeah, uh, I'm not a physician, but I am a provider. And so I've got prescriptive authority. I have a DEA license. I have a special, extra special license on my DEA license. And I do treat people for COVID and I have treated them very successfully. Um, I think my biggest thing is for me, it's always, uh, you know, a a risk versus benefit. And so I constantly consider a safety profile. And so um, you look at all these other countries that have successfully used ivermectin. um, Mexico, India. Even conservative Japan has begun to adopt ivermectin as they looked at Africa when they were giving the countries that gave it uh, not for COVID, and they saw that they had far less COVID cases than they did the countries that did not give it. And so you have to go, well, this is interesting. And if you look at the side effect profile, it's virtually non-existent. It's not like people were overdosing left and right on this stuff. Right. It's it's safety profile is extremely high. So all. even if it doesn't work, wouldn't it be better to try something that you're probably not going to get side effects for? And probably it, it's a similar, you know, maybe a far less risk profile than the vaccine, seeing as how we have longitudinal studies on this and it's been used successfully for what, 40 plus years right. on different, on, on other viruses. To at least try that instead of, you know, people would go places and they would say, well, you know, I have COVID. What, what are we going to do for this? And they would hardly give them anything. They'd say, Tylenol, go home. Don't do anything. And so I'll just say, man, I've treated probably 80 people, 80 people very, very successfully. And with, you know, high dose vitamin D is, is something, in my opinion, that's, that's very good. There's plenty of studies that support it. For a short period of time, you can do extremely high doses. You could do... Um, there's some studies showing up to 50,000, uh, units, um, a day for a short period of time. Uh, then zinc, some sort of an ionophore, uh, like quercetin or, uh, turmeric. Um, and then you want to think, uh, you know, if this thing progresses to respiratory, maybe, uh, in advance or prophylactically, we should treat with some doxycycline and ivermectin. And I have successfully used all those to just absolutely treat it very early on, outpatient, controlled setting, uh, and varying age groups, older people, 50, 60, 
even 70 with lots of comorbidities, uh, congestive heart failure, chronic obstructive pulmonary disorder, um, asthma, diabetes, all these things. And everyone lived. Everyone lived. And I, it's, <laughs> it's just very bizarre to me, man, that like empirically there's some evidence. I've tried to read the evidence against it, and it's, it's not overwhelmingly against it. Anecdotally, I've seen it with my own eyes. It was extremely successful. Um, the Ohio Department of Health kind of dove into what, what I was doing for a little while there, and they were very surprised. Oh, wow, this worked. Like, maybe we should recommend this. But there's just, I don't understand why we're not willing to, to consider it. Like, there's so many off-label medications that we use that don't have a safe profile. We're completely willing to use them. You know. Uh, and they're off-label until they're not. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> these, these psychiatric medications that we use for sleep, mm. way higher profile, but we still use them for sleep. These blood pressure medications that we use for anxiety, uh, you know, these uh, antihistamines we use for anxiety, all kinds of, of off-label uses. And all of a sudden, somehow, we're, we're going to use this off-label and it's completely demonized. Even though there's overwhelming studies and empirical data that says that it, it, it works. And like I said, even at the end of the day, if it doesn't work, why not try it's something safe. that you know is, is unbelievably safe? And that's where I come back. Cause like I said, I don't know all the, you know, health stuff behind it, but if it's safe, if people, if there's a, you know, a group of people out there saying doctors, there's plenty of them out there that are saying it does work anecdotally, then. And empirically and there's em studies. Well, right. So, all right, well, <laughs> let's, let's take $125 million. And if you are so certain that this drug shouldn't, this horse pace drug shouldn't be taken. Put a study out there and prove it. I think that, I think they're doing, I, sh I sure hope so. A couple. So I think you know there's I mean? one in like South Carolina and, but do the study. Yeah. So then we can say, okay, because you know what the funniest thing is like anybody who's familiar with that Joe Rogan situation, when he gave, when he talked about it, when they played his video, it's, it's all these little pieces of the puzzle. And a lot of times like, it, it kind of looks almost, not petty to a sense, but like you have to take all the pieces of the puzzle and put them together. When they replayed the, that video on news networks that he put on, so he put like a, a Instagram video out or whatever saying, Hey, I took ivermectin, but you know what else he took? He took monoclonal antibodies. He took this, he took all these different things. He yeah. listed off like six to eight yeah. different things. Yeah. And that's what they focused and on. And that's what they focus on. And did you ever see the clips of when they like replayed his video on? Did they just cut it down to? No. They changed the color of it to make gave him, him a filter. They gave him a filter to look like white and pale and like sickly. <laughs> like they changed the actual color of his video to make him look. I don't, I'm not going to say they did it to make him look unhealthy, but like the, like the, this, like the tint of, of the, uh, the video was like, he looked like very like unhealthy and like yeah. pale and, and they, he's mentioned a couple of times, like, they even changed the fucking, they, they gave me a filter, man. Like what the hell? Like, so when you add all of those things up together, it doesn't look good. So no. how, and then going back to how are we supposed to believe these news channels? Yeah. I, that's where I was hoping. You know, how are we supposed to believe idea. the quote unquote experts, you know, cause these people have anybody that has some kind of stake in the game like that. 
They're going to choose their words wisely. And I'm not saying it's a cons- I'm not saying this like a a structured conspiracy. I think some things happen organically bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? I no. think some things just end up that way. I don't know if the whole ivermectin thing is because you know it's super cheap and anybody can make it. You know, and Merck is coming out with their own you know prophylactic. <laughs> you know, you do your own research on that. But so the next. The next tab, and we're wrapping it up here. If you've never heard about this one, um, this is just a little fun tidbit to put out there. If you've never heard about Operation Northwoods, um, this is a thing. You can dig into it. The government has admitted that it's real. And I'll just go ahead and we'll read this real quick. Operation Northwoods. Now, this is probably this will probably get us this will probably get us taken down like Alex Jones. I've been ivermectin right into this. Yeah. Was a proposed false flag operation against American citizens that originated within the US Department of Defense and the Joint Chiefs of Staff of the United States government in 1962. The proposals called for the Central Intelligence Agency or other US government operatives to both stage and actually commit acts of terrorism against American military and civilian targets. Blaming them on the Cuban government and using it to justify war against Cuba, the possibilities detailed in the document included in the possible assassination of Cuban immigrants, sinking boats of Cuban refugees on the high seas, hijacking planes to be shot down or given the appearance of being shot down, blowing up a U.S. ship, and orchestrating violent terrorism in U.S. cities. The proposals were rejected by then-President John F. Kennedy. I'm not saying any of this is a conspiracy. I actually am not saying that, but the fact that propaganda across the world is alive and well, and if you think it's not used as, and this might be an overused term, psychological warfare for other countries, its citizens. Old psyops. Yeah, for anything. Not to mention, like, this is the same government we had in 1962. Like <laughs> Joe Biden was a congressman that I feel like, <laughs> but it's, it's the, I, the whole idea of you have to think about if you don't know somebody like even, even an individual, how many times have, you know, have people, have you gone through your life? Like, I feel like you really know somebody. And then 10 years, 50, 20 years or a couple years, whatever down the road, they do something. You go, Holy shit. I never didn't expect that. I didn't expect to learn that about them, but yet we take, you know, whatever we see on our phones or the TV at face value. Like, what are we doing? Like these people have money, they have power to lose. And it's not, it's not the fact that they have money and power. It's when you're playing the game, you have money and power to lose. And that's when people get real dangerous. Um, but I do. Do you want to say anything else on the on, on the COVID thing? Because I have one thing to wrap this up. But oh, I just I I, I do want to make kind of a note too that like uh, I'm not speaking for ivermectin for like acute cases, uh, you know, hospitalized cases or anything like that. Mine was it was strictly outpatient. Right. I'm not saying there's not a place for it in a hospital setting, but. I can only attest to that. I can only speak to that. Right. And I think at least from what I've gathered from you, it's, Hey, we should look at this. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not even saying that it's, you know, like wildly effective. Do I think it's effective from the studies I've read? I do. 
From what I've seen, do I think it's effective? I do, but I've I also included other medications too. Right. But it goes back to what you were saying. Let's try something that has a unbelievably infinitesimally small side effect profile instead of just going, eh, let's see what happens. Because right. what if it turns out the let's see what it happens leads to long haul COVID. But if we would have done something to kind of address some of these issues early on with ivermectin or, you know, vitamin D, like then they wouldn't get those. Right. So put your 125 million towards that. Instead of finding new viruses. Facts. (laughs) Fucking facts. On the last note, look at this fact. What do you mean? You were going to end it on a funny. No, I didn't say story. funny. You did it previously. Did I say funny animal you story? Did previously, and I thought it's not going to be about the hippo because that's not funny. <laughs> I think it is kind of funny. The- yeah, if anybody, funny if and you my d- funny are different. Oh, for sure, they are so for sure different. But if anybody should understand fucking how metal and fucked up nature is, it should be people in Africa, right? Because they got lions. They or, got, or Australia. Or, yeah, or Australia. Yeah. They got just weird fucking giant poisonous bugs and creepy shit. But if you understand how dangerous animals are, it should be somebody in Africa because they got all types of big shit that'll fuck you up. Humphrey, the pet hippo kills owner in South Africa. And now. I don't know if you've never realized how vicious hippos are. There's some nasty motherfuckers. A farmer in South Africa has been killed by his pet hippopotamus after repeated warnings that it was a wild animal that could never be tamed. Marius Ells, 40, an army major, was bitten to death by the 1.2-ton hippo he christened Humphrey and tried to domesticate on a farm in Free State Province. So this hippo was rescued like from as like flooding was happening um, when it was real young, they guesstimate about five months old. Um, and then the people who rescued this hippo didn't have room for it. So this farmer had this 400 acre farm in South Africa and was like, Oh, well I'll take this hippo. He swam with it and was just, you know, really bonded with this hippo. And the last paragraph of this is earlier this year, Els was photographed riding on the five-year-old hippos back quote, Humphrey's like a son to me. He's just like a human, he said. There's a relationship between me and Humphrey that's what some people don't understand. They think you can only have a relationship with dogs and cats and domestic animals, but I have a relationship with the most dangerous animal in Africa. Old Humphrey ate that fucker and drug him back into the river. Animals. Most animals are not your friends. I'm sorry. I don't know what else to say to that. Like, try to, you try to befriend a one and a half ton behemoth that doesn't have the mental capacity to recognize that you're its friend because it doesn't have friends because it's a fucking animal going to eat you almost sounds like it going back to animals and emotions (laughs) 
Yeah, it had an emotion. It, had it said, a lot I'm of hungry, it, bitch. It had a lot of and you're the only. Tony. Yeah, you look like a tasty beef stick. Hungry, hungry hippos. <laughs> yeah. Hungry, hungry hippos will eat your ass. I don't know about you, but my emotions change super fast, Tony. Animals can clearly For have sure. the same emotions. I guarantee you this. If she was 1.2 tons, I wouldn't keep her around because she'd fucking eat me. <laughs> I get hungry. Yeah. And pissed off sometimes. Yeah. I can't help it. And when, when you're hungry and you weigh over a ton, everything that moves looks like a snack. And old Humphrey was probably hungry. Like, Did you see this? <laughs> Before that, he had chased some, some people up a tree. Oh, yeah, because it was probably year, fucking he, hungry. He chased a 52-year-old man and his seven-year-old grandson. Spent two hours in a tree. Yeah, what is that? I saw this, and I, most people are like, oh, my God, a hippo ate somebody. I'm like, I'm surprised it took us this long to find this story. Like, animals eat shit. That's what they do. Through that last line, chased golfers at a local golf club. Can you imagine? <laughs> the fucking hippo. Dude, a hippo <laughs> chasing you? That'd be terrifying. Terrifying. Dude, you're just trying to wear some pants that, Typically, if I saw myself out, I'd have to kick my own ass. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the hippo comes along. Yeah. Because, you know, do you know where hippos live? In fucking rivers with fucking crocodiles. And if crocodiles aren't going to mess with you. Yeah. Crocodiles don't fuck something. with those guys. Those fuckers. Yeah. I want nothing to do with it. All I'm saying is there is no short of fucks or facts to be found on the internet. Nope. What do you, you got one? You got a closing This is as hippos kill more people each year than lions, elephants, leopards, buffalo, and rhinos combined. Oh my. Now you know why I'm laughing at the guy who thought he could be fucking buddies with a fucking hippo. Look at these facts. Nature is metal. Thank you for joining us today. Remember, check out the website, chronic-curiosity.com to join us at the forum, have some fun, interaction, pick you up a comfy t-shirt, or if you just want to support the show and donate, all that is on the website as well. Thank you. Until next time. See you.